Hello, and welcome back to the DCU Soccer Podcast. And uh, I'm here with uh, Daniel Wise again. Oh, man, what a what a weird game. Yeah, uh, boy. Uh, we... So, so here's the thing about this game is that uh, if you look at the stat line, DC like genuinely dominated possession of the ball in you know that first half, and then part of that second half. So it was you know um, I guess if you look at it on paper, DC played a very good game, but if you were actually watching the game, you saw in that first. You know, I think I think genuinely that first 20 minutes or so, uh, Miami came in with a gigantic uh, Pringle on their shoulder, and they wanted to, uh, you know, show what they were made of. And so they really uh, came after DC, uh, really kind of switching up things uh, tactically for them, uh, where we saw them lining up in a sort of deep lying. 4-2-3-1 against uh, LAFC. What they pulled against us was a 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, so a really aggressive type of formation that that looked to control the middle of the field. And that's exactly what they did. They kind of uh, locked down that middle. And you saw that with Ben is that, uh, you know, he's, he's typically the kind that sort of, uh, you know, prefers to take it down the middle. Uh, but Miami just was not letting them do that and then uh, sort of forced him off into the wings. And uh, that is where Miami had a lot of success uh, getting back possession and really kind of kind of showing some some good stuff. Uh, What was your take on kind of the, I guess, overall flow of the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I was very impressed by Miami, honestly, throughout the whole uh, the whole match. Like, you know, they kind of fell apart there, <laughs> obviously, um, which we'll get into. But I was really impressed with Miami. Uh, they were very physical, too. I, I, I did see them, you know, knocking our guys off the ball. And uh, Pizarro <laughs> looked um, pretty good, I thought. So definitely a team to keep your eye on uh, in our conference, too. But but yeah, I mean, I, I like you said, watching that game, uh, it was kind of rough there for the first, to me, you know, maybe, I don't know, 55, 60 minutes. Um, but, it, you know, the first couple minutes, they score, and it's like, oh my goodness, like this again. It feels, you know, a lot of it again, like we mentioned last week, like a lot of it felt like 2019, kind of apathetic or, or something, and, and it was kind of strange, you know? You had a defense, I, I mean, on that first goal, you had Robbie Robinson um, kind of staring down Burnbaum. And, you know, you've got this rookie going up against a vet. And, you know, Burnbaum was caught in a bad space. Uh, I'm not sure what Briant was doing as far as his marking was concerned. Mora, as far as I know, was like completely out of the picture. And so you had kind of this two-on-one situation uh, where um, Lewis Morgan and Robinson and Pizarro were kind of coming just straight down uh, our throat. And so uh, Robinson kind of gave a couple moves, uh, just passed the ball off to uh, Morgan, and Morgan kind of took it up uh, sort of just about to the six-yard box and then crossed it clear over to Pizarro, 
who just had to kind of stick his foot out and uh, dink it into the top of the net. And uh, boy, they looked good in that first uh, series. They just uh, played like a team that, you know, Rodolfo or uh, yeah, Rodolfo uh, played like the, you know, DP that Miami paid for. And so, uh, you know, they, they're for sure going to get their money's worth out of him. Uh, Pizarro is just, he's a baller and like really, kind of examining his game uh the first two weeks i'm i'm you know he's he's uh striking me as like one of my favorite players to watch so far this season um just you know seeing his football sense and the way he kind of finds the spaces to be and then again as i was saying last week finding just passes picking out into the box uh he just looked very very confident sure-footed just sort of uh, either putting some some high lobs in there or some really nice crosses. So uh, he's he's just a very complete player and uh, yeah, extremely dangerous. So you know he scores the early goal and then you know it was it was some kg back and forth from there. Uh, you know what what did you see as far as an adjustment that? Um, uh, coach Olson made after that, you know, first goal at the second minute, you know, what did DC sort of do to kind of, uh, stabilize? What did you notice out of that? Uh, well, I think first to, to go back a little bit, I mean, I think Pizarro not only was extremely dangerous in the attack, I think he also played a really complete game defensively. Like he was all over the pitch. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, you know, like we were talking about last week with Mora, like, he was just totally out of position. Um, and I did notice him not uh, going up as much um, later on. But, well, and then eventually, I guess he got hurt as well, um, yeah. which was sad. But he, he was quite, quite bad, right? Like, um, that was kind of shocking uh, to me. He and, uh, I would I want to say, Moreno were two players that were specifically kind of deleted by the uh, Miami attack and defense, you know, with the way that Miami really locked down the middle of the field, you know, particularly in that middle third, uh, right along the center circle, uh, they were just harrying our guys, um, really playing a a fantastic high press, doing that classic, you know, uh, getting the, you know, top guys to, mark on a player to, you know, who had the ball to basically hustle them up and then had guys just sort of stationed, you know, nearby to cut off those passing lanes. And so Miami was just, you know, for those first, you know, gosh, 25 to 30 minutes were, were playing a really complete game uh, defensively and offensively, as much as it shows that DC United had possession in that first quarter or first half, uh, Miami just s- seemed to find a way to make uh, DC look like they didn't know what they were doing. But one thing that did happen sort of after that first goal, maybe, you know, kind of 10 minutes into the game was uh, Ben sort of matched them in terms of that three, four, three, at least when we sort of went on attack uh, Canals, I know for sure was starting to play a lot further up the field and then Briant Burmam and Mora were shifting more into that three-man back line. Right. Uh, and, and, and 
you know, I think I think that was uh, smart on Ben's part because he, you know, that sort of unlocked Canals, who I think, you know, from from there uh, really kind of claimed his spot on that right flank. And so uh, I think had some nice link up with Gressel going on. I know he had a really nice cross into the box uh, that I want to say, oh, I want to say Felipe or Assad had a header on, but um, just landed right into uh, Robles's uh, mitts. And so, you know, I, shout out to Canals for really kind of taking ownership uh, as far as his role was concerned in the game. Yeah, yeah, like I mentioned, I definitely noticed that Mora was hanging back. Uh, kind of felt a little bit like they were swapping roles in terms of what what they they were supposed to do, like um, mm-hmm. in terms of going up or, or not. But yeah, Mora didn't seem to be fit enough to really make that work. So I think that was smart, maybe in a couple ways, you know. You have to really wonder. Uh, you know, we're we're sort of uh, you know, we're not doing the full like you know, play by play on this game. But, you know, what we are sort of noticing is that uh, a couple players and, and this really kind of played a factor into this match. Uh, I don't know what it is uh, as, as far as their fitness goes, but um, they're just not up to a, a standard that we're kind of expecting out of them. And that goes for uh, uh, Mora and Ola Kamara. Uh, and, and, you know, incidentally, both went out in the first half with almost identical hamstring, uh, injuries. So, you know, what, what are you feeling as far as like that goes and, and, you know, how are you feeling about those players? You know, what, what's going on with, with those two? Uh, I think, I think it's, uh, even though they had similar injury, uh, which might be a, a nice, you know, I'm uh, not metaphor, but whatever, um, <laughs> The uh, what was interesting, yeah, is like to me, Mora getting that injury was like to me a sign of like, yeah, he is not fit. Something is off with him. Like, may, I don't know what what really is going on, but but to me that 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 was like a sign um, of him maybe pushing a little too hard, uh, along with the signs of like him having two really really bad games where he was not doing uh, well or able to get back. Um, but with Ola Kamara, I mean, obviously, yeah, he hasn't scored uh, at all. Um, but I, I don't feel too, too awful about his performances quite yet, right? Like, I don't think yeah. we've seen enough uh, good service into him um, by the players that we've been talking about, right? Like, you know, we've seen we've seen some good signs overall, but like we haven't seen enough. Like, uh, we need a lot more service into Ola Kamara if he's going to be a uh, 15 to 20 goal uh, striker. It's you know, so I think that there's improvement that needs to be made there. But I will say it was a super disappo- super disappointing for uh, hamstring injuries for both of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so sort of talking about the way DC lined up, uh, they came again with the 4-3-3 that they started last week. Uh, and, and really kind of, you know, maintained it from there. They actually did a, a much better job of, uh, you know, staying firm on attack and sort of not not going back to old habits that we had last year. Uh, but in particular, there were some shifts going on where uh, you had uh, Gressel lining up behind Flores rather than in that um, central mid uh, position. So, you know, what, how are, 
what did you notice as far as like, you know, Gressel and Flores kind of working between each other uh, during this game? Yeah, like the um, the starting 11, uh, you know, graphics showed uh, uh, Gressel in that in that center attacking midfield role. role. But uh, yeah, I did notice a lot of the times uh, Flores cutting in on that left foot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes sometimes you also see Gressel go, go on that outside behind him, Some you know, but um, I think it's really interesting. I, I think when the times that Gressel is in that center there, and it, it's not really working for me, though, to be honest. Um, I think while I do see I do see flashes of Flores cutting in and 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 that being really really dangerous. I think I think I would probably keep him more more essentially, uh, even though because when he was there and, and and he he was for some parts right. Like I thought he did he he was fine. Um, but Gressel's you know giving me some some worries honestly. Yeah, uh, you know as as far as set pieces go, I think he's a pretty solid option uh from you know especially coming from the corner uh but yes uh, as far as it goes on field maybe it's just trying to adjust to a new system and you know brand new teammates uh he's still he's still a pretty young player in the league and so you know you you have to kind of give some leeway, you know, especially with uh, Gressel and Flores. They're kind of finding their way. I think the same thing goes for Assad. Uh, those three really uh, are kind of finding their footing as far as, like, their roles are concerned. You know, uh, kind of unfortunate what happened with Kamara. But, yeah, you've got kind of four guys who are, you know, playing crucial attacking roles here uh, trying to find that footing with each other and it seems like they're just sort of not not the final product yet uh not not even close so uh you know but but let's kind of talk about uh Kamara and Mora going down so uh I think what was it It was uh Kamara going down first at around like the 15 minute mark and our uh brand new Estonian uh striker came in um Eric Sorga got probably more minutes than he bargained for uh, in this game. And then um, with Mora, you had O'Neill Fisher uh, come in for him. Um, and, you know, I think I think pretty much everyone, or, you know, anyone who kind of knows about his his background and just his, his tragic run of injuries, uh, you know, he came in and he looked hungry. I think between, so, uh, you know, I think all things considered, you know, unfortunate that Mora and Kamara went down with injuries. Uh, Fisher and Sorga came in and kind of uh, brought some energy. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was definitely excited to see Fisher. Um, and I thought he he uh, he did really well um, mm-hmm. overall in that game. I thought he did really, really, really well. Um, Sorga, you know, obviously he, he's new and he's... Uh, He's a young guy. He's 20, I think, something like that. Um, And his first MLS game, uh, there was a lot of, like, stuff where you could tell he was new to the league, kind of like the physicality in in some of it, where I think he was kind of surprised by some of the things that uh, people were were doing to him. Um, But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought thought he did fine. I mean, he did no worse than Kamara did, right? So, uh, which I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. I thought in particular, you know, he... He at least made his presence known to a degree where, like, you know, he had to be somewhat taken seriously on the field. So, like, you kind of talk about 
that physicality. I think, you know, some guys wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, he's coming in and we're not going to let him uh, show, show what he can do, you know, because, because of all the, you know, goals he scored in Estonia, whatever that means, you know, I think a lot of MLS guys, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't think they necessarily want to see, see him open that up or, or see if that can actually happen. So uh, yeah, you, you definitely had him um, getting roughed up in there, but I think he, he brought a particular energy on attack. And so, uh, you know, first half was really kind of like the sparring match uh, between these two, you know, outside of that uh, goal from Pizarro, uh, you had kind of a very back and forth type of affair. So then, you know, let's move on to the second half where, where the real action kind of, kind of started. Yeah. It gets crazy, I guess. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, to tell tell about you know sort of what led to the the first goal that DC United scored. So this the first one was the uh, the red card one or no was that the second one? That was the first one. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah. so there was a, a ball play over played over. Um, I believe was it Gressel who was right there, something like that. Uh, it was Gressel, yep. Yeah, it was Gressel. And uh, they were running forward. It was it was Roman Roman Torres and and Gressel and it, the ball kind of popped up and it seemed like Roman Torres just kind of took a whack at it, kind of, but not too much of one, whatever. Um, and it, it was an interesting sequence because that also caused something else not to happen. Um, right. Uh, which was a, uh, a a goal on the other side, um, yes. but that was called back. And, uh, yeah, there was a red card for Roman Torres uh, at the end of the day. And, you know, I even though I've written an article about VIR, uh, it's still a uh, oh, it's still a quagmire uh, to understand because y- so the time uh, or the time span between uh, Roman Torres basically palming the foot or yeah, the football uh, for, for a good, like probably quarter of a second, half a second, something like that. And uh, the, and then the goal happening, there was nothing, there was no call or anything like that. And so like the fans were going nuts about that because it was clear as day. Uh, but yeah. you know, the goal happens and then they go to VAR to examine this thing that happened probably 20 seconds, 30 seconds earlier. And I'm sitting here like, that is insane. Like how do that, how is it possible that they went that long before making a VAR call? But apparently it's one of those things where like they have to find a stoppage in play uh, to conduct a VAR review. So uh, kind of a, a really confusing series of events, which brought on, uh, the set piece, uh, you know, so it was a red card sending off Torres, but it was outside. It was, it was, this is another interesting thing was like, it was, um, a scoring chance for Gressel, but because of kind of like the severity at which, uh, Torres stopped his run or his attacking chance, uh, he was awarded the red. And so there's a set piece, and I think I, you know, it might have been uh, just a little bit after that, but um, one of the Miami defenders ended up fouling. Uh, was oh, it right. Assad in right. the box? Right, right, and, and then he took that that penalty. 
And, and so, or no, Flores got fouled, and then Assad took the penalty, right. uh, scoring the the first goal for DC. And then, just two minutes after that, then you know this was sort of the really wild thing. So Flores takes a set piece, and then, then yeah, Brilliant takes it and volleys it. Yeah. So <laughs> kind of a uh, gosh. It was it was a great set piece by Flores, and then um, it was one of those things where it was a really low curler where uh, it just went slightly over the box or over the, uh, the wall of defenders, and then just just really curved real aggressively into that lower corner, and so Robles gets it. I think he gets his hand on it, but then. Yeah, the ball just so. dinks off that, gets off the post, and get and sort of like ends up in this high volley uh, that uh, Frederick Briant was able to get one of the most magical strikes uh, that a center back could ever have on on a uh, chance like that. Um, he looked like a true striker out there. What do you think? Like that. That's not an easy shot, uh, a, a high volley like that, to From basically that angle, boot yeah. that in so perfectly. Yeah, and it's like kind of, yeah, it's kind of like at a strange angle, too. So, like, it wasn't straight on or anything. It was kind of to the side. And a lot of a lot of players would just, yeah, like, sky that or miss hit it or something. And it was just perfectly hit right there. And, uh, yeah, I was that was crazy. I, I thought the... The most interesting thing about that, I mean, I guess that would be the most interesting thing, but uh, another interesting thing was how, yeah, like you mentioned, how good of a, a set piece uh, that was. And yeah, like curled straight down into that mm-hmm. corner and it was like, wow, that was <laughs> that was pretty good. And so hopefully we could see more of that as well. That's that's quality right there. That's, uh, you know, what you get when you get a Peruvian national team player, like a very solid and I mean... I, I will say, you know, in in South America, you see you see those types of free kicks all the time that just curl, you know, so aggressively. Like, you know, I, I think even Robles was real surprised about, you know, kind of the angle that that took. So, uh, you know, really, yeah, fascinating sort of, sort of series of events that led to DC um, taking the lead. So, you know, that was. Uh, I'm not sure what minute that was. I think it was, I want to say it was around the 60, 65, somewhere around there, kind of in the 60s, if that jogs your memory all right. Yeah, something around there. And then DC just didn't do a whole lot after that. You know, what what did you notice as far as like that last like half hour of the game went for DC? Well, definitely a little more defensive, and they also brought on a defensive substitution. Um mm-hmm. You kind of saw them sit back and and kind kind of, as the game was going on get more and more defensive, <laughs> um, which I thought was interesting. I, I mean, it it makes sense, right? Especially how the game kind of went uh, and how strange it was and how kind of lucky they were to be on top to begin with. Um, but I mm-hmm. mean, there might have also been that that fear of what happened to the Rapids, uh, the Rapids game of that last minute uh, goal. So right, you know, th- there was that. I you know. It was very nervy uh, and very physical game all, all together. But, but yeah, I mean, the the only thing that you know <laughs> was not a, a great game, I don't think. But to to for for uh, for DC, but 
you know, they, they won and that, that's, that counts for a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, credit to them, but boy, uh, we're seeing some things. And so, you know, I guess, uh, how do you, how are you feeling with the squad we have now? I mean, particularly, uh, suffering, you know, with injuries to Kamara, to Mora, um, Assad seems to be doing okay, but he was also nursing something, you know, how are you feeling about this team's fitness going into a Cincinnati game that we should win, but I, I don't know if I even feel confident about it. Yeah. I mean, to me, the, the big takeaway from our last two games is that we have a hard time scoring goals and we haven't done it in open play. So I, it's kind of hard to, to win, to win too much. If, if you can't do that, you know, you can be a set piece team, but that doesn't feel great. And it's kind of like, you kind of have to be a little bit lucky there, but um, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati, the worst team probably in the league, uh, you know, not, not great. So yeah, we really should, should come out with a win there. But like you mentioned, those two injuries are pretty hard. I think, uh, I don't want anyone to get injured, uh, so that that sucks. But Mora being out might be a little bit uh, of a chance to to get someone else in there and turn out a little bit better because Mora's not been doing too well. Uh, but yeah, for Kamara, I feel like that's probably a huge blow, even if it's you know him having to take some time uh, to to get in the swing of things again and then being able to light it up a bit. This will take time uh, off of that as well. So. If it's if it's hamstring stuff like they they said it's probably not going to be uh, um, a short time so yeah if it doesn't feel great right now the saving grace that Cincinnati had uh, against Atlanta was um, what's his name uh, Yuya Kubo uh, was able to kind of net a, a consolation goal uh, for them. Um, as, as far as like the rest of the team goes, uh, you want, you want to think that like DC can handle them. Uh, it's a team that's facing a lot of turmoil. Uh, you know, they, they let go of their coach, uh, just like three weeks ago or something like that. Uh, their presumably star striker, uh, was allegedly, uh, caught up in a insurance fraud racket. And, you know, so you've just got like a lot of instability happening with this team. So, you know, as as far as like D.C. lining up, uh, they're coming up, you know, at least as far as they're showing a pretty, you know, standard four, two, three, one formation with Cincy. And so, you know, not not facing anything too outlandish like what uh, Miami had shown us, uh, you know, not. I don't think going up against the uh, weapons that the new and improved Rapids have, uh, you know, again, you know, with them going two and oh, a very solid start of the season for them. Um, do you think, do you think we get a win out of this? Do you think anything less than that is going to be like a severe disappointment? Uh, well, those are two different questions. <laughs> um yeah, I mean it's gonna be a disappointment. Uh, we this is the worst team in the league, uh, and and so it, it it's kind of hard to to argue that that we shouldn't be beating this team uh, handedly. I'd say 
Um, I, I haven't predicted us to win any of the games so far, so uh, I don't know this one. It's rough, like like you said, those those guys being out. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I, I kind of feel us scraping out a, a tie here, to be honest. What makes you feel that way? Because I'm well, actually feeling a, a little more comp, more confident than that. But maybe this is working to our advantage. I think every time you feel pessimistic and I feel a little more confident, maybe that means DC comes through with a win. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just played Atlanta, and Atlanta beat them 2-1. Um, and that was, you know, and it, I watched some of the game. Um, FC Cincinnati did have some not incredibly compelling subs, but they do have some some guys on the bench that, that can make a difference. Uh, even if it's just a little, <laughs> but I don't know. I just don't. I don't feel quite very good about how DC's playing, and I think we were extremely lucky to come out of that Miami game with a win. Uh, and so, traveling to Cincinnati, uh, a lot of people show up to those games. So you know, I, I'm just not quite sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, do you think? How do you feel about sort of like? you know, with, with our front players, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Did you, did you hear anything as far as uh, Kamara is concerned with, with the length of his injury? Have they released anything about that? No, I haven't seen anything, but you got to imagine him and Mora won't be there if it's hamstring at all. Right. Like those are typically, even if it, you know, even if it's like ready or whatever, you still try to give it time because those are so like pesky uh, but yeah, I mean, he hasn't been really that effective so far, so it's hard to really say that having him there would, would help too terribly much at, at this point. Now, so how, so say, say you get to create next week's lineup, where, where do you go with this? Yeah. Uh, let's assume Kamara and Mora are both out. Um, I think I, I keep, Knaus, uh in in one of the two fullback positions, along with Fisher, uh, keep the center backs the same. Um, I think you know I, I'm kind of tempted to change up the 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 defensive midfield a bit, but uh, keeping Moreno and Felipe there, uh, maybe pushing Felipe up a lot more because you kind of expect to keep Cincinnati on on you know the the back foot uh, a little bit, so. You, you might also want to potentially try out like a 4-1-4-1 type situation, uh, mm. st- staggering maybe Felipe. And uh, I would consider Flores the, uh, in, in the central role there and then um, Assad and, and Gressel. And then I guess you'd have to do Sorga because he's the only striker on the on the roster at this point. So, But how about this? What would you – would this be too uh, kind of FIFA meme – uh, worthy if say what if what if Fisher and Adoy Atsum start at the two fullbacks you move Knaus up to that right mid and then say Gressel goes on the wing Flores to the number nine and then Assad uh, over on the left what do you think about that let me let me just tease your mind a little bit with with that kind of setup now obviously at that point then we have no defensive subs whatsoever but how do how do you feel about that type of formation right there uh 
I'm a little iffy uh, on that. I think I don't know if Flores would really do too well up there, to be honest. Um, but I mean, honestly, it might be worth a shot. It's not He's... not the craziest thing I've ever heard. But uh, I do I do really like Canals at that right back role though, and or, or fullback role, whichever side. Because um, yeah. at this point, we have to kind of decide which side he would be on, considering mm-hmm. Mora being out. But yeah, I mean, I like him there. Uh, so it's it's hard for me to see that uh, because of that. Yeah. So then, so so you would put uh, Sorga in at striker. You'd you'd start him next week. I mean, if if yeah. there's any team to sort of start a guy like that against, you'd think it would be Cincinnati. Um, although pretty woeful uh, defensive performance from them against Atlanta. Uh, possibly something that you know, give him 90, see where he's at. Because clearly, I mean, he's been he's been playing 90s, uh, you know, over in Estonia. So you know, but again, what does that mean? You know, how does that even remotely compared to uh, MLS or even USL over here. Uh, but clearly he's put in the minutes. He's scored. But why not give him a chance to show what he can do? Yeah, I mean, I that's kind of what I think too, right? Like, uh, or that's how I'm thinking about it. It's like, well, you, you have one striker and if, mm-hmm. if, if you're going to have to redo your, your uh, you know, your... T- formation and potentially uh plan more people out of position it's like well like this is what everyone was talking about in the preseason when we were asking maybe we should sign a striker right so like i'm gonna have the confidence that they have confidence in sorga to start in that way um as a starter in mls and if not i'd rather see that be proven out like like proven out that he's not right like you you kind of it's a rock and a hard place, but like I don't know I I feel like you kind of you kind of have to almost yeah you know and and that's another interesting thing is you know gosh you have to wonder where this team is at financially where they haven't there's no indication of moves uh, they have a couple trialists but you know I'm not sure where they've gone as as far as uh those those guys have been concerned um it's it's a puzzling situation with this team uh it's it's uh, you know it's this club that that sort of you know i guess portrays themselves as a big time competitor but when you look at the roster it looks like they're operating on a shoestring budget or not you know not shoestring but like you know they've kind of front loaded on you know like Flores and Gressel, but like, have they left any financial room for anyone else? Well, yeah. I mean, again, like the Areola injury doesn't help, uh, yeah. right? But um, having three of your starters out in week three is, I don't know. It seems doesn't seem like a total uh, predictable thing. But yeah, just having one one or two more decent <laughs> decent guys. Uh, would be extremely helpful, uh, and so that you gotta you gotta wonder like what's going on there, and may, and maybe something comes out, but at this point it doesn't look very good. And to your point about like yeah like our image is uh, you know tied in with our history and 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 that kind of stuff about 
being this this you know top top five MLS you know franchise club all that kind of stuff but when when you're losing to the Rapids and and you're worried about going to Cincinnati it's like which part of MLS are you actually grouped with uh, at a competitive level uh, you know it's it's kind of not not great yeah I you know I mean oh, they did bring in uh, Muhammad Abu uh, at midfield so. There's that. And I guess, you know, that's something that could be tested out, you know, sort of what I was talking about earlier where, uh, you know, maybe it's you bring Gressel up, you shift Flores in. But, um, yeah, you know, you, gosh, you look at um, you look at that bench behind Kamara or even behind Sorga, you've got Griffin Yao, who is all 17 years old. And the fact that he's, you know, showing up on the bench for an MLS team is, is, uh, it's nerve wracking. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's a, he's a, uh, a teenager. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. Um, and then Emmanuel Boateng, we haven't really seen a whole lot from him. Uh, so it's just, yeah, you, you don't know uh, how to feel about this team. You know, you kind of hope for the best, but you're not exactly putting your expectations all that high. Yeah, no, totally. Definitely expectations uh, are not terribly high. And, and it seems like also like who's going to get hurt this week, right? Like, right. Um, and, and especially going into to a, a game against Cincinnati, like I hope that we don't have to use our defensive midfield <laughs> uh, yeah. depth too much, right? Like I would think the opposite, like maybe, you know, you start out with, you know, I don't know, like I, like I said, I could see trying to go out there in a 4-1-4-1 uh really pushing pushing that uh boundary there with with a team that doesn't typically possess the ball very well is not very good uh you know so <laughs> it's, it's uh it, it's rough. this should be a confidence game this should be and right, bear in mind right. you know for our listeners i'm kind of being the positive one in this conversation yeah for it, sure which which illustrates like exactly like how we feel about this like getting those getting those three points uh out of the miami game is um yeah much much appreciated much necessary uh makes us feel a lot better this week than we were feeling last i mean if you remember me really going in on this team uh after that colorado game uh you know i feel better having gotten these three points, but at the same time, I'm sitting here like, uh, you know, like I know, I know Knaus, he's, he's really doing his role, uh, very well. Uh, Briand and Burnbaum are great. There's nobody behind them. Uh, if one of them goes down, uh, Mora has gone down. So now we have O'Neill Fisher getting in. Uh, and so, you know, and then when, when we talk about our midfield and our, uh, attacking three, uh, four of those guys um, of the six uh, are still trying to get used to each other, are still trying to figure out how they kind of fit with each other. So it's uh, the, the alarm bells are in the distance ringing. And, you know, before you know it, uh, you know, it's going to be like Silent Hill territory where it's just going to be black and ugly and, and uh, horrible. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am so nervous about this team that, you know, especially when they hit that stretch in the summer and 
the air is going to get thick and soupy. Uh, the muscles are going to get tired, especially if we're still on this, you know, sort of real Spartan uh, roster depth. Uh, it's going to get real ugly if if um, things don't change here. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's the real concern, right? Like, this is our, our third week. I mean, if if we continue to have injury problems, like, pretty much at all in any position, like, what, what are we even doing? It's it's going to get to the point where, you know, I mean, if, if God, God forbid Flores goes down, we're playing with no DPs yep. <laughs> against, you know, Atlanta and, and uh, whoever else, you know. NYCFC and yeah, New York the, Red Bulls. Yeah, you get you you take a look at that, and boy, this season gets real ugly real quick. Uh, and and suddenly we're in that Cincinnati territory. Yeah, I mean the other thing is like it, the only reason why I'm I'm feeling I guess so so pessimistic is like to me like the Miami game is how we won our games in 2019. Like you know, lucky kind of set piece, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> barely. Like, and I've said it countless times, but like, I want to see signs of them doing something. I mean, I've seen some signs of them building out a little differently, uh, and and their shapes have been a little different. But like, you haven't seen, you know, the the combination play in, in the final third or or that final pass really uh, at all. I mean, you've seen some glimpses of it against Colorado. Uh, God, I mean, in the Miami game, like. I don't know. I I didn't really see anything that was that was too convincing. You know, I don't. You know, if we, if we don't get a set piece during a game, it, can we score? Like, I I'm not seeing it. And and I think it goes into last season since those last time we we were able to do that. And that's yeah. my concern. It's like when you watch other teams play, they they can do this. Um, and and when you watch teams with with Gressel last year, he was able to get it to the right place and like so i you know what what's what's up right like it's, right it's that's that's my my concern is i don't see signs of what i thought i would see uh quote unquote thought i'd see i guess right you know and and gosh uh you, you see it in this in the stat lines uh you know you know especially when we played against colorado and then um to or this week against miami uh, 15 shots uh, for Miami, eight shots for DC. Uh, for Miami, five of those shots were on target. For us, it was three. So, you know, it's a, is it a quality over quantity thing? You know, yeah, maybe, but I would, I would prefer a little more action, uh, you know, getting shots on goal uh, instead of what we seem to tend to do is, is kind of try to walk it in. Uh, and and that type of approach just doesn't seem to work. I want to see uh, these players kind of take their chances from distance. And, you know, especially against Miami, uh, that could have helped us a lot is taking more, uh, you know, more shots on goal. Uh, you know, I think I think we were trying to be, you know, we were we were playing that, you know, type of build up from the back type of offense. Um but once we got into the attacking third, it was just kind of we were working the perimeter a little bit, but then we weren't necessarily finding uh, proper shots on goal. Uh, so that was, you know, it was just kind of frustrating to watch in that that first half. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it feels very predictable in that final third. I mean, you don't see any, and, and maybe there was, but I wasn't playing, paying close, close enough attention, but, like, you don't see any of these kind of uh, dynamic interchanges between positions. You don't really see too many, uh, you know, space-creating uh, actions too much. Like, you know, you'll see with a lot of other teams and, and stuff. So that's the kind of stuff it's like, we need to yeah. do the work off the ball too. That that you know to to make the space and really really open up the opportunities. Um, but on another note, I was. Uh, have you listened to the latest Pitch Pass podcast? No. Uh, you should listen to it. It was an interview with Burnbaum, which he said something extremely interesting, which I guess maybe raised my alarm bells even more about oh, the, the the culture in. Uh, in in uh, I guess the, the locker room and probably beyond the locker room, but he was talking about one of the games last year, and uh, Rooney was there and and he was they had won the game, but he was just absolutely like pissed and he was like you know we played like trash all this stuff and Birnbaum's like that's the first time I've ever seen anyone do that and I'm like so wait if you win everyone's just always you know positive about stuff uh, like like your whole time at DC, like that's, I guess at this point it's not terribly surprising, but like, to me, that's a huge red flag. It's like, you know, wins are great, but like the coach knows like what's sustainable and what's not. And a lot of our problems were we were winning unsustainably. And that's just a huge concerning factor to me about now this game is like, has that culture returned? Are we happy with this? Like, Mm. you know, I don't know. I, you know, uh, coming, you know, here's the thing. Oh boy. Uh, it's a lot of what the Red Bulls had to deal with when they had, uh, Thierry Henry, uh, on their roster. Um, he was infamous, uh, in sort of how he vocalized, uh, how he felt about the form of his teammates. And he was not shy about, uh, publicly letting people know exactly how he felt about that. You know, not just like in the press, but you could also see it on the field. If uh, there was a bad cross or a bad pass or, you know, someone didn't quite link up properly with, you know, a pass he was doing. Um, oh, he would, he would just absolutely show it every single time. Um, so, Maybe there's just something to that where, like, uh, you know, coming maybe coming from like the European system where it's just all you see everywhere is quality. Uh, you know, it was probably one of those things where like he kind of let it out. And, you know, not not to say that like oh our players don't know what quality you know football looks like, but um, I think to a degree like you know maybe maybe particularly over here in America is a sort of you know everyone kind of builds each other up, uh, you know, a lot more than maybe they do over in Europe. I think, you know, it's a uh, place where like criticism comes pretty freely. Uh, You know, I I remember, you know, sort of tangentially going off this, but like, you know, uh, being an English major, I get A's all the time over here in the States. And then when I uh, studied in England for a summer, uh, I poured a lot of work into a paper only to get like a, I think like a B on it. I go to the, you know, professor, I'm like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, it was okay. But you know, it was a B quality pick. I'm like, what? 
What are you <laughs> talking about? I did, I did so much work on this. I write super well. I get A's all the time. And he's like, well, it's a different thing over here. You're going to have to realize that. And so, you know, just <laughs> so that's kind of the thing is I, I think with, with Rooney, it's sort of one of those things you have to take it with a grain of salt. You know, uh, he was probably feeding, a, you know, some criticism into there. But, yeah, maybe that gives some insight into, like, you know, maybe the locker room is a bit more supportive with each other uh, than than maybe Rooney was to them. You know, you, you don't know because he was sort of checking out at, at certain points last season. Well, that's so true too. Yeah. You you don't really know with that sort of thing, but no, that's a that's an interesting insight right there. And I kinda yeah, that's that's fascinating. You know, I yeah, it would be interesting to spend a week with the team kind of like behind closed doors and seeing what that whole atmosphere is like in training, pre and post game, like just getting all into that and you know, kind of seeing the players at their their rawest and realist i suppose uh that would be that would be an interesting insight into that yeah totally i guess the i guess uh the comment itself you could you could make it fit a lot of narratives i guess but yeah i guess i i guess i was mostly curious if like you know if if the coaching staff is overly positive just because they won or like if that's the culture i guess there's also that angle of too like Rooney definitely did not seem to uh, hide his feelings on, you know, that stuff, too. So the yeah. truth likely lies somewhere in between. But, you know, if you're a if you're a real big Olsen critic, you could definitely say rightly or wrongly uh, on this point that maybe the, the locker room is a little too uh, non-critical. And maybe that's why we see some of this stuff. Um, but, you know. Who knows? <laughs> and it, it's it's the same, you know, uh, I, I always have to preface, you know, love Olsen to death. I really do, uh, you know, just interacting with him. You know, he is, he is a clearly, clearly a smart soccer guy. Uh, I, I don't think anyone can rightfully say like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing or anything like that. But like, um, gosh, it seems so routine sometimes, you know, especially after games, it's sort of like, you know, win or lose it's like oh you know we're always we're 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 building on or you know we we have things we can build on or you know things i see that you know we can but you know but then we have times where you know you and i are constantly saying oh this is 2019 all over again where you know where where is this building where where is this cohesiveness going to come from right right yeah no i mean definitely a club legend you know, there's a lot of talk about him as a coach and everything. Um, it's likely not going to change, if at all, till the end of the season anyway. But, you know, it definitely does. Yeah, like you said, like routine beyond just like the, the press stuff. It's like, like I said, some of the stuff is kind of predictable at this point, um, which might be why we, we when we do make the playoffs, we go in that first round. Yeah. Uh, you could kind of predict uh, what's going to happen, especially by some of these coaches who are, you know, pretty pretty good uh and some of the staffs have you know really gotten up there in, in terms of some of the data they, they, they can use and stuff like yeah. that but you, you gotta hand it to diego alonzo the miami coach uh delivered a heck of a game uh this week um you know it's tough to prepare for a team that literally is on its second game. You can only go as far as like what they've shown, uh, what they showed against LAFC. Uh, 
Uh, but, you know, the way he kind of switched it up, where he went from kind of like a conservative, you know, 4 2 3 1 formation to that super aggressive 3 4 3, opened some doors tactically for that team. And it showed this is a guy who's, you know, really trying to, to, find winning ways for this team. So, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed with what he put on the field, especially I was thinking he was going to have Pellegrini come in and it was going to be that Pizarro Robinson Pellegrini connection, but uh, you know, um, Lewis Morgan uh, coming in at, at that right, uh, right forward and then shifting Pizarro over to the left uh, was, was just a really interesting move. And so it just kind of gave gave a look that DC wasn't quite prepared to handle. So yeah, credit to him. He he put out a heck of a team. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely don't think that they were totally prepared as as you may expect. You know, like you said, like sec, second game. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, should we do predictions for Cincinnati? All right. So predictions for Cincinnati. I feel good about this game. I think we go 3-0, DC United. Oh my goodness! <laughs> All right. Fair I enough. think I I think Flores nets two, and I want to give uh, Gressel the third. All right, that's pretty that's pretty good. I guess if that were to happen, I think that would be awesome. Um, I think I think we're gonna do a, a one-one uh, tie. I think it'll be. Kind of a chippy game, um, it, or or maybe just kind of <laughs> sloppy, or or you know uh, I don't know. Like I, I just keep thinking about that last game we played against them at Audi Field last uh, yeah. you know last game. It was just kind of like a blah game and two two red cards I think right. That was <laughs> that was yeah something. that was ugly yeah. Uh, nine, so maybe nine. some bad blood there. I don't know. No, I, I totally see. And, you know, uh, half the guys that Olsen is fielding remember that game. So they're, they're going to want to get after them. Uh, that, was, that was a result that shouldn't have happened last season. So I think, you know, I, I, it, it'll be sloppy to a degree because that, that attacking um, prowess needs to sort of come to form. Um, but I can I can still see them putting up numbers. It won't be pretty, but I think we come out with a really solid win. Yeah, and it'd be great to see you know some some of that you know in the final third really coming together with some combination plays, some interchanges, something you know. Uh, but but yeah, I think that's uh, all I've got. Do you have uh, anything else? Uh, as far as like the. Game time stuff, you know, I think we've pretty much exhausted that. But, uh, yeah, do you, what do you have this week in terms of uh, shout-outs and stuff like that? Uh, I need to look that up. Hold on. Why don't you uh, All right. All right. Us off? Yeah, so uh, uh, starting off, you know, I guess I'm kind of doing two, but, like, it, it, they're sort of intertwined with each other, is uh, uh, Perfect Soccer which is run by former DC United guy, uh, Quincy Amarqua. Uh, he does such a fantastic job uh, on social media. He, uh, you know, unfortunate what he's going through right now, not quite finding a team that wants him, uh, which is a shame because I think he's a quality player on a lot of fronts uh, as far as like a 
locker room presence as a solid backup or, a, you know, even a solid number nine uh, starter. Uh, I think I think the guy, if he's given some chances, he can definitely prove himself uh, to be a valuable asset of a team. Um, you know, so he does just superb job on social media, uh, always interacting with fans and other players. And, you know, he's really becoming kind of like a, a, a mentor of the league. You know, he's a, what is he? I think he's a, an 11 year vet, something like that. Nine to 11 years. He's been in there a while. So like uh, he's, he's been doing it all. And uh, he actually just had uh, CJ Sapong uh, on his show. Uh, CJ who plays for the Chicago fire. Um, he had a really great conversation together. Um, basically talking about their early years in the league and how they uh, sort of adjusted as, uh, you know, from being newcomers to, you know, becoming uh, full-time guys, uh, you know, in, in particular with CJ's uh, sort of experience um, with sporting KC, uh, he would kind of throw, he went from a number three to being thrust in the starting position. And, and so he really kind of grabbed his uh, opportunity and, and really became a impact player over the years uh and and so like you know perfect soccer is just a wonderful tool i think it's more geared for uh people who are you know young players you know either in high school or college uh but it's a it's a great tool for you know people who are just interested in the sport on like a mental level uh for anyone who is looking to get into coaching or anything like that because he he has like a mindset of a coach uh quincy is just yeah, he's a wonderful guy. So uh, look up Quincy Amaraqua, uh on Twitter and Instagram, uh, and then look up Perfect Soccer, uh, which is yeah, like I said, just a wonderful resource. Um, I think our dear friend Sarah Colasi is involved with that, and so yeah, just a fantastic operation he get he has going on. And then a quick shout out, you know, to two guys, um, David Shams. And James over at uh, uh, DC United Kingdom, uh, David just gave birth to a, a baby girl. So congratulations, buddy. And then I believe uh, uh, James's wife is um, going into labor. I don't know if she's she's uh, given birth quite yet or anything like that. But, uh, you know, congratulations to you two. Uh, wishing, wishing you guys the best. Yeah, no, totally. Great, great shout outs. Yeah, congrats on the the new fathers, um, for sure. Uh, and yeah, the Perfect Soccer, soccer they also do these uh, these live shows uh, with Quincy. So th- those are always really cool um, if you mm-hmm. happen to be around. I think there's also recordings of them, um, but those are really fun too. Uh, and the chats are always funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, so this is uh, my, you know, quick shout out is actually this, uh, this app that doesn't work i don't think in america but <laughs> okay but the get, the get your vpns right well so the twitter page is actually really interesting um the twitter is info goal app uh so that's i-n-f-o-g-o-l-a-p-p um and it's not perfect but i have noticed that they pu- publish a lot of like the expected goals and they have these like cool you know uh not a chart but i guess a graphic uh, of a lot of games and they've actually posted some some of some of the MLS games and so uh, you can kind of see them like you know even at halftime they'll do it sometimes um, mm. but yeah follow it and, and stuff will pop up 
Uh, I was watching the uh, the LAFC Philadelphia Union game, which was absolutely crazy. If you haven't seen the yep. uh, game of that, and and after that ended, they they posted the expected goals, which were kind of interesting. Um, obviously, that 45 year, uh, yard shot was not a full yeah. expected goal, but um, that was super interesting. So yeah, I thought I'd give them a shout out. I I kind of find the statistical stuff really really interesting about uh the the game and i guess pretty much anything statistical so yeah i mean i thought uh that's a good shout out for people who are interested in that it's not quite mls but did they uh predict uh manchester united beating city 2-0 uh i don't think so uh (laughs) or uh, maybe they did i i haven't looked but um but yeah, uh, there's all kinds of stuff here. Like they have the Premier League, they have Bundesliga, and they'll do MLS too. Um, That's awesome. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I like I like the graphics the most. Um, and apparently, I guess they might be from the app. So uh, if you're overseas, maybe it'll work. But when I tried to install it, uh, I don't think it was available. So yeah. Gotcha. But the Twitter page is a fun follow. Okay, and what what's that called again? Yeah, it's at. Uh, I-N-F-O-G-O-L-A-P-P, Info Goal App. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, I guess that's pretty much it. I guess to close it out, you know, I've been uh, Daniel Wise uh, from Soccer Made Simple. Uh, Just relaunched my newsletter this weekend, so I was really happy to get that rolling again and then recorded the second episode of my podcast, so... You know, I want to thank you personally for getting me back on that wagon. Well, yeah, and also tell the listeners where you can find your podcasts or what you can search maybe in the in the podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, if you don't mind me being shameless. Uh, yeah, I'm at, at uh, S Dakota Soccer on Twitter and Instagram. And then you can find my newsletter at uh, tinyletter.com forward slash soccer made simple. And then you can uh, check out my podcast on anchor.fm forward slash Daniel dash wise. And yeah, you know, I've, I'm on, so if you search for soccer made simple on Spotify and Google podcasts, I'm going to show up there. I think I'm on pocket cast now, still waiting to get on uh, Apple podcast. That's been uh, held up for some reason. So uh, that should be coming pretty soon though. They, uh, the, Areas that you, that I, you can find my podcast that are rolling in, so uh, I'll I'll keep keep you informed as far as you know where you can find it as that comes. So yeah, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, awesome. Uh, well, thank you for for being on again, and uh, we'll we'll be back hopefully next week after we beat Cincinnati, I guess. So uh, yeah, and I guess I should also say you know. You can find the podcast on iTunes, uh, and and if if you really like the podcast, feel free to leave a review. That really helps us, uh, you know, spread the podcast and and get new listeners. So that'd be really awesome, giving us a five star review. Uh, maybe if if people do that, maybe we'll read we'll read them on the show. Uh, hey, yeah. And uh, Daniel can clip this, and then we can post that <laughs> this clip as well. Um, oh, you do that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and then obviously I'm on Twitter at DCU underscore soccer. Um, Yeah, I feel like we had a good show. Cool. You bet. Peace. Take it easy.